Hi and welcome to today's topic and today I'm going to be talking about borderline personality disorder and we will also be looking at the psychosomatic patterns behind it and also inherited patterns and along with everything we're going to be doing I also want to break down patterns that locks a person into this challenging psychological state. So let's first start by defining BPD. Now, which is this is a mental disorder where a person is challenged to regulate their emotions. So for example, when they experience you no know, stressful event, they negatively react with intense emotions and it can actually take them quite a long time to get their to get out of that negative emotional state and state of mind, which can also actually roll over into severe depression. So with BPD, our biological makeup also greatly contributes to the foundation of our personality. But our personality is not, you know, it's not just something that you have. It's something that you do. You act on it and you behave a certain way as well. And also how you deal with stress and unpleasant circumstances is also what defines your strength and your personality. And of course, also inherited characteristics from your DNA lineage also plays a really big role in this. And you can also have, for example, more than one personality type. And what defines a personality or what makes it unique for, um, from other personality categories, as we would say in this example, is that it's the one that is most dominant. Now, in the case of BPD, there are several dominant personality types that surface when they are faced with stressful circumstances and they are triggered. So with BPD, a person's personality can change depending on their circumstances. You know, however, also as what I said earlier, what is important is the personality that takes the lead in most cases. So in the case now of BPD, a certain emotional reaction with a specific level of intensity is triggered in the unconscious mind. For example, when the person, you know, say hear, they see, they feel, or they think, or they smell something that triggers also an old traumatic event from their past. Or it could be something that actually happened to them. They could have been in a conflicting or challenging dynamic with the person or in the environment or, for example, in a workplace. Anything that created a trigger and a negative re emotional reaction. Right? So they also what happens along with that is that they feel old trauma and also panic that is surfacing. So as a result, their body reverts to either a physical or emotional reaction or reactions or coping strategies that they use in the past and associated with this reaction. You know, for example, with a person or the stressful circumstances in the environment. So what biologically also happens here is that their coping strategies also are now set on a loop and it is almost like a broken record. Hence why they stay continuously for long periods of time in that negative state of mind. It's almost like when that state is triggered, what happens is that because there is no inner resource consciously and, and immediately available to them, that they start to feel comfortable feeling uncomfortable. And that is when they start to accept how they feel unconsciously surrendered to it and it becomes now their new state of mind for a period of time and when they can't get out of that when they can't release or relieve the stress from that it rolls over into depression now consciously they can see and they are aware of how destructive their behavior can be but their need for survival is so great that it overrides common logic meaning that their amygdala in the brain has taken over control and the limbic system in the frontal cortex has become dormant as the amygdala actually has the maturity and impulsiveness of a four-year-old. Hence the drastic change in moods and in most cases 
BPD could also be an end result of a damaged limbic system, which is our emotional brain, and it also holds long-term memory. Now, the frontal cortex might also at this point not clearly communicate with the limbic system, which is meant to calm down the amygdala. Right, so that means that the person BPD is also very instinctively driven and very reactive from that perspective. And also in most cases, their fight and hide instinctive responses are more dominant than the emotional brain. Even though their reactions are emotional, it is triggered and it tends to be driven by survival instinctive reactions. So of course, it begs the question, what happened in their past or their DNA lineage that set off such a strong survival strategy that even it, you know, it even severs relationships, it harms others, and also either emotionally or physically harming themselves. Now, there is also a great deal of suppressed anger which needs an outlet at some point and in some cases to release the pressure and of the anxiety that stems from their suppressed anger. And they might actually unconsciously provoke arguments or self-harm or just to have an outburst that is out of context with perhaps, for example, with their immediate environment and also their circumstances. It's not always necessarily that they have to be passive and wait for something to happen to them. They can actually also unconsciously provoke an argument or provoke a, a, a traumatic or stressful situation with the unconscious intention to release suppressed negative emotions. You know, anger, for example, is an end result of feeling powerless and feeling out of control and feelings and also very strong feelings of injustice. Now, in, in this specific case as well, I would, if, that's, if that's you, if that's something that you can relate to, I would highly recommend my video, um, Psychosomatic Root Causes of Anger and also how to deal with it, as I get a lot more into detail regarding this concept of anger and also the root causes and the triggers of that. So... Our personalities are also copied from our parents or from people that we spend most of our time with. And we match these individuals and how they cope with their stress and also their reaction to challenging circumstances. So here is the question in most cases, are you really expressing your true personality or are you expressing someone's strategy to overcome or survive challenging circumstances? Right, so it begs the question, does my reaction feel authentic to me or am I expressing someone else's strategy which directly influences and defines your personality? And it's also been said that we express at least 50% um, of our inherited genes. So it's important to never exclude your DNA lineage and its history. Now, in most cases, when this disorder is inherited from a person's DNA lineage, you are looking at a history that holds a great deal of stress, that continu where continuous stress and the buildup of that was felt as a direct result of failed coping mechanisms and survival strategies. Now, the reason why their coping mechanisms kept failing them is because of circumstances or stress factors that kept, cha that kept changing. And their ability to keep up with, this, with, the, with strategizing new coping skills became more and more delayed or even non-responsive. You know, which, which in this case means that their ability to resist, endure or, or to survive trauma has cons considerably decreased. Which then leaves a person emotionally depleted and the limbic system is literally exhausted. And the frontal cortex is fatigued as well and the amygdala could have taken over at this point. Right, so which leaves a person in an abnormally heightened state of fight or flight. 
Now, there's also an emotional addiction element to this condition. When a person reacts in an aggressive way, adrenaline is released and a negative heightened state that this person is feeling is that they're so absorbed in that moment of the emotion and the feelings that stem from that that they consciously are fully brought into the present moment which is for example because of the feeling of say anger or sadness or whichever the heightened emotion is that was triggered at the time and this could also be seen as a psychological escape from their circumstances so they might be unconsciously doing this with the intention to escape and to sabotage moments in their life when they start to feel safe and happy. As these emotions and the state of mind that, that from the past was not safe to experience. And this ultimately becomes a loop with no end that keeps repeating itself in their relationships with themselves, with friends and with partners and with family and also perhaps professionally. Now another aspect that I want to add to this is womb trauma. I just quickly want to brief, briefly tap onto this because when I refer to womb trauma as well, I'm actually referring to the time that the person challenged with BPD spent in a mother's womb. Now, in this case, you would, for example, be exploring the psychological state of the maternal grandmother. And the reason being is that most dominant disorders and ailments tend to repeat themselves every third generation. And this has now actually been proven to be also a scientific fact. And I delve a lot more into this during my live events as this is a very big topic. But now just keeping in mind also that you spend nine months in your mother's womb. And we know now that the placenta is not a barrier between the mother and the child anymore. So stress and trauma and emotions from the mother is copied to the growing fetus at some point as well. So it begs the question, how severe and heightened was the mother's emotions and her emotional state during her pregnancy? And was she, for example, also challenged with high blood pressure at the same time? That combination plays a very big role. So I also want to cover just here briefly um, toxic associations from childhood. So say, for example, a seemingly simple association stored in our unconscious mind can dominate our entire future, it can dominate our happiness and ultimately our quality of life if they're not aligned in a, in a healthy way with our true conscious desires. So now our frontal cortex, also the conscious mind, will say yes, for example, to a loving relationship. Yet our unconscious mind might say no. You know, we've only had bad experiences with love. So consciously, we know what we want. We know that we want a loving and supportive relationship, you know, either with ourselves or with someone else. Now, when we have emotional needs, we consciously know that they can be met in a positive way. However, our emotional brain, the limbic system, might have something different to say. You know, for example, if we had a negative experience with love in the past, or you know, say a hurtful situation is repeated over time, we start to form a negative association with that positive need. And that means that a positive need has now become unhealthy. So even though we consciously know that it is meant to be a positive experience, we end up seeing and experiencing the opposite. So for example, in the case of BPD, you may unconsciously actually associate love with abuse because of past experiences. Yet you, you consciously desire a loving relationship as you still have a desire and unmet need for love. So you feel drawn to people who will respond to you, um, to your associations with love as the unconscious mind is dominant over the conscious mind. 
Now, negative associations with positive need do not necessarily have to be formed over a period of time. One traumatic event can be enough for your mind to actually remember that negative experience, especially if the trauma cycle does not complete in the body. Now, a trauma cycle completing means that the stress that was felt at the time that was experienced as a result, say, of an event that was perceived as being traumatic was able to successfully heal, allowing the body to reset itself by successfully releasing the emotional stress that was felt. Now, I discussed this topic a lot more in depth at my um, live events as well, and also in Metaphysical Anatomy Volume 1 and 2, if you want to dive a bit deeper into that. So another part that I want to touch base on here is self-destructive behavior and also relationships is a very big theme for people challenged with BPD. So in this case, when you lack self-esteem as a result of abuse in the past, then it will be much more challenging to recognize your value and the love and the support that you are worthy of in a relationship. If your needs have been continuously disrespected, or if you know if love was withdrawn from you, you know, in the, as a form of a punishment for expressing needs, you know, that a caretaker or a partner perceived as being unreasonable, then feeling the self-worth to express a need will become much more challenging over time. So you either start fighting for it by being provocative, and you know, for example, to intimidate the other person, so that I don't have an opportunity to challenge you back. So in this case, anger and emotional blow-ups helps you to get what you want. You know, and the underlying fear here is feeling unworthy of having your needs met. And as a result, you end up fighting for it. Now, also your need to have your needs met has, for example, been challenged to the point where your expectations have been weakened and also lowered. So your efforts to have your needs met have now been rejected or criticized to a point where you kept lowering the bar for this need to be met and for how you would also actually allow yourself to be treated. Unacceptable behavior and responses from a partner actually become acceptable. And it is during this time that you form a dangerous comfort zone as you start to feel comfortable feeling uncomfortable. So take note here as well. When you become used to being abused, abuse becomes normal. It becomes even a lifestyle. And once an abusive dynamic ends, you might continue to unconsciously seek out people that are abusers to reconnect to the old lifestyle that you've become used to. So say you were in an abusive dynamic and you severed the ties and you tend to unconsciously copy certain aspects and traits of the abuser and revert to these patterns as coping mechanisms as you fluctuate from being a victim to becoming the abuser. And you might overreact because, in the, because the past pain was so great that your defenses come up so strong and so intensely with the intention to avoid recreating or re-experiencing same painful events from the past. Now, if you were physically or psychologically abused, when you desire to be loved, for example, and, and valued, then that reaction from caretakers becomes a reflective inner dialogue and you start to treat yourself that way, for example, the way that the caretakers treated you. So self-harm is also an emotional escape. When you inflict pain on yourself, then the pain is so great that it brings you fully into the present moment and it distracts you from any other negative feelings that you, feel, that you were feeling. Also, if your need for comfort in the past was met by physical abuse and physical pain, then an unconscious desire to self-harm can actually be triggered in order for the unconscious mind to have that familiar need met. Now, 
What also ultimately happens is that when you overcompensate for everything that you lack, say for example, um, you lack the great amount of love in your childhood, and this can mean one of many things. However, what will be certain is that your definition of love is toxic, right? So as a result, you might meet someone who gives you one-on-one -on -one attention, and this person is fully present with you. You know, this interaction fills a deep void within you and it wakes up and it stimulates a deep unmet need. And you feel the positive flow of emotions surfacing and you finally connect to a once abandoned emotional aspect of yourself. However, because you have a negative association with feeling love and self-love, you revert back to self-destructive and self-sabotaging behaviors to stop positive feelings from surfacing as you have a negative association with feeling safe with feeling happy and with feeling loved. And another flip side that this, that this circumstances can take as well is that if you go into that state of depression, once you've had that heightened emotional reaction to an event or circumstances, then what can also happen is that it's connected perhaps to a numbness coping mechanism. So once a heightened emotion is experienced and your threshold for coping and dealing with and, and feeling that emotion can become so great, that we dissociate and as a result of the dissociation can become numbness can then become the next cycle and is then within that place of numbness that the barriers become so hard to break and to get through and that is when a person can sink into depression so i do hope that you're getting a better understanding of these patterns from perhaps you know a different perspective and i also would suggest that that you observe and document patterns you know when do you react to whom do you react you know what are your coping strategies in that moment and also how do you feel in that moment and once you feel clear about these points then i highly recommend and i invite you to go through my online guided healing session at www.guidedhealingsession.com now i'm also sure that you might be wondering why do some people with similar emotional traumas and past histories develop BPD and others don't? Now, there are aspects that I mentioned earlier that are points where a person has reached their emotional threshold and their ability to emotionally and psychologically suppress it until it's reached a point to where the emotional stress has now started to surface as pain. Or this condition could also be a result of a strong predisposition that has now been activated in the biology due to extreme or long-term stress. So to answer your question as to why some of these um, people that are challenged with BPD, yet others who had the exact same emotional challenges than for example you did, did not develop this condition. Now the best explanation observation that I have found so far is that it's the same for many of most ailments and also psychological challenges that surface in a person's life. And that is that a person's threshold for enduring certain types of emotional environmental stress has reached a peak, right? So it made a, it made a person overly sensitive, also known in my teaching, my classes as a low threshold to certain types of stress and environmental factors. And a person with a high threshold for certain types of emotional stress or environmental stress factors will most likely have little to no biological reaction to stress that takes place in their life or during certain events that would be perceived as being traumatic. You know, it all depends on a person's predisposed threshold and also how well a person can process a stressful circumstances in their, in their present life based on their biological resources, which is also emotional resources and physical resources and, of course, resources from our environment.
And that is a wrap. So until next time, be the light that you are.